Those are good verses from Mother's Day, huh? Moms, we need you to be peacemakers. We need you to want to have a pure heart to help pass that on. But we know, kind of off tongue-in-cheek, sometimes motherhood brings a kind of pseudo-persecution, right? So we'll talk more about what that means. This message is not just for mothers, but mothers, we do acknowledge you. Um, but we also, I'm going to pray quickly. This is a hard day for some of us. Some of us have lost our mothers. Some of us have maybe wanted to be a mother and not yet, we'll say, per se. But um, we just want to go to the scriptures and find out what this man Jesus said, because he is finishing up this section, the beginning of his sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and we are going to finish up the Beatitudes. What was the old saying? If the creek don't rise, we've got to get through it, is what I'm saying, because I wanted to do it in one week, and this is the third week, so I'm going to get through it, because we've got to move. So let me pray, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, as a bit of a recap. Father, thank you for moms. Give them grace, strength. I also pray for those of us who this might be a hard day. Encourage us. Holy Spirit, meet us personally and work personally in our heart. Give me grace now as I open your word and help me teach the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing to go through the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is archaic, but it's not irrelevant. It's archaic because it's 2,000 years old. It's not irrelevant because if you're sensitive The things Jesus is preaching about in three chapters of the Bible is what the world has been trying to solve since recorded history began. That's the truth. If you look back at recorded history, not just biblical history, we are a messed up people. And we do things that we shouldn't, and in some way we can't control it at times, but Matthew 5, verse 7, this was last week's, finishing up. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Again, in these Beatitudes, Jesus is saying, I'm announcing blessing for kingdom citizens, and kingdom citizens look like this. People who are in God's family err on the side of mercy, not law or judgment. That's what we do. Because that's what he did, and that's what he's working in us. We're all works in progress, right? But if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I've been a Christian for 50 years, and I still don't show much mercy, we got to sit down and talk, right? (laughs) Because those are contradictory to some degree. We all struggle. We're not perfect. But mercy is a hallmark of Jesus' ministry This comes right on the tail of a verse that says, blessed are you who want the world to be right. Who want rightness or correctness in the world. And what Jesus is saying is, don't let your passion for justice or rightness withhold what? Mercy. You ever been there? You ever been doing the right thing but with the wrong attitude or the wrong motive? Again, we don't lie in church, so I'll trust you guys in your heart. I've been there. That's what he's getting at. Again, archaic, but not what? Irrelevant. Timeless truths from the Son of God. So here we go. Matthew 5, verse 8. If you have a Bible, turn there. If not, it will be right here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Most Americans, by polls, don't want to see God. Isn't that interesting? 
most Westerners are good. I'm good. That's actually this verse, and we'll get into it. That's the mentality of us, right? They don't want to see God because they don't know much of him and are scared of him, maybe. They don't want to see God. This is my interpretation, so take it for what it's worth. Throw it out with the bathwater later, but just listen. They don't want to see God because they've created a God in their mind, and he looks a lot like them. And when they're honest, they know that's not good, right? If God were a lot like me, you would all be in big trouble. So would I. He's not like me. That's why I can say praise God. He's good. He's kind. He's merciful. He's loving. He's just. He's perfect. But Jesus says this verse. Remember, common people like you and me heard the first blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Literally, blessed are you who don't do church very well. That's what it means. That's who I'm after, Jesus says. But in the corner, who wants to be the bad people? Let's wake up. They're my family, so I'll pick on them. I have seven bad people, and you're guilty by association. So here's the bad people. We're the normal people, right? Blessed are you who don't do church well, and the Pharisees were in the area. So in the first blessing, the people who did church well, the Pharisees, were like, did you hear what he just said? And then we get down to this other blessing that says what? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus was very smart. He's God. And what he did is one of their sounding gongs in their camp, the Pharisaical camp, the religious establishment of the day, was we see God better than anybody else. That's why we're better. Wow, I didn't know that about you guys. Oh, I live with her, so I get, no, I'm kidding. But the point is, Jesus is making a full frontal with grace and mercy toward the establishment. Don't think of politics. This is way bigger than politics. This is the kingdom of God. So the Pharisees were very proud, and proud of their interpretation, proud of their dress, proud of their tradition, proud of their religion, and they would say, Steve, I see God much better than you, so be quiet. That's what it was all about. Folks, Protestant Christian churches have that attitude sometimes too. Can I get an amen? Amen. And all different churches have that. Religious folk. Atheists have that attitude. You don't have to be religious to be judgmental and self-righteous. Amen? <laughs> it's our world. And we're going to get seven months of it. Don't turn on the TV. No, I'm kidding. Watch the Giants help them out, right? So, Jesus begins to unpack this spiritual charade that has been put forth for three or four hundred years by the Jewish, not just Jewish, religious establishment and he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Literally, blessed are the clean-hearted. Isn't that good? I love bleach, right? How many of you love bleach? Bleach is amazing. It's clean. It wasn't, but it's clean. Blessed are the clean in heart. They shall see their maker. So there's a correlation between cleanliness and truly seeing what is real and what's not. And Jesus 
begins to unpack in one verse. Can you see why I couldn't get through it in one week? There's so much here. Spiritual pride, judgmentalism, hypocrisy, and self-righteousness are the core of a dirty heart, biblically. Spiritual pride, we're better, we know more, our theology is better, our church is the best, whatever we do. Spiritual pride, judgmentalism, hypocrisy, biblical hypocrisy, not the way the world sees it, I explained that three weeks ago, and self-righteousness are at the core of what Jesus says makes one's heart dirty. I know in Christian circles far and wide, we pick a few sins to at times condemn other people. We do that. Usually the ones we think we can see go to the Sermon on the Mount. You know what Jesus says is the biggest sins? They're all equal, I know, Pastor, but spiritual pride, self-righteousness, judgmentalism, and biblical hypocrisy. Not falling short. You're a human, I'm a human. That's not hypocrisy, that's life, amen? But performing your spiritual acts for the crowd instead of serving God is biblical hypocrisy. When you don't love your family the way you should, sometimes it's because you haven't slept in 12 hours. You're a human. So there's a difference. But the idea here in this language is the difference between a clean lens, I'm going to say window, and a dirty window. Jesus is communicating spiritual pride, elitism, a judgmental heart, and self-righteousness are the film or films that cover our windows or eyes so we can't see. I don't want to turn there, but Matthew 23 clearly illustrates the Pharisees proclaiming to everyone, we see best, be quiet. I said that, right? Don't mess with me. I worked as a paramedic for 10 years. We used to go to a summer camp a lot. Uh, I was a licensed paramedic, worked full time. I was a decent paramedic because I observed things. That's what you do. You observe things and go down to algorithm. So I was at a camp and uh, working full-time paramedic, very good at my skills, and uh, <laughs> this guy fractures his ankle right in front of me. And they had their protocol, you know, they don't let anybody do anything unless you're like, you know, on ER, one of those actors or whatever. And they come by, and God bless the 20-year-olds, they handled this scene completely wrong. Just, it was the worst. And so I went up very nicely and said, can I help you? No, stay away. And she's nudging me. Can I help you so you don't hurt him more? Stay away, sir, or I'll have to take you here and here and here. The issue wasn't this or that. These young EMTs didn't see clearly because their frame of reference was clouded by non-experience. I had almost seen it all, so I saw much clearer, right? That's the same thing that the Pharisees were doing way back then, and that's the example Jesus uses. Do you know that you are a soul and I am a soul and you have a body? Do we understand that? This has a shelf life of how long? Who knows, but not more than 100 years probably, right? Or 120 years? And the real you, what makes you you, what God fully created is your soul. And Jesus says, if the windows or eyes to your soul are dirty, 
you won't see God. Jesus, he was kind of messed up in a good way (laughs) because he told us the truth. I'm going to ask you in about 12 or 14 minutes to go imitate Jesus in your week. Remember, he was the son of God. We're not. And remember what he's saying. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 9, verse 39, the writer does a bunch of word plays on light and dark. That's kind of his whole theme, right? And real quickly, John 9, 39, Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see. There's this light, darkness, seeing, none. It's all of Jesus' ministry. And those who see may become blind. Remember what I said about the Sermon on the Mount. It takes everything we think usually about God and flips it upside down. It's counterintuitive. It makes us a bit uncomfortable. That's okay. Look at John 9, 40. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind, mocking Jesus? Does that turn out well for anybody to mock Jesus? It never turns out well, right? John 9, 41, Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So he goes on and says this, in this little passage, who am I to judge? He's speaking to those. Who am I to judge? Who am I to give input, because that's the balance, right? Pastor, I hear what you're saying about don't be judgmental, but we live in a crazy world. Any parents in the room? Yes, don't raise your hands. Your job is to make judgments all day long. Do you get that? You want a little debate trick? That'd be great. Pastor teaches people to debate. The common thing in the culture is, don't judge me. You can come back and go, okay, I will be stupid and ignorant and not loving for you. So there's a difference, right? We as Christians and we as people have to make judgments, but we don't want to make the judgments Jesus says leads to blindness. So what's the difference? If you're a parent, you make judgments all day long. If you're a human, you make judgments all day long. But there's a difference here. And Jesus shows it to us. Regarding spiritual matters, regarding judgments that pertain to God and humanity and sin and eternal punishment or heaven, Jesus says, only I and my Father have the right to make any of those calls. And the way I want you people to live is to go, judging that way is above my pay grade as a Christian. Casting burden on people and being self-righteous in that way is above my calling as a Christian. Again, this is counterintuitive. Every one of us wants to go to work tomorrow or family. Who's who's hanging out with families later? This sermon's for us then, right? Because families are awesome, right? We love our families. But sometimes they invoke some things in us. But Jesus loves us and is telling us the path to peace and the path to life. This is about the kingdom, his kingdom. And he turns tables over, not just in the temple, but in our heart, mind, and soul. Don't turn there, but 1 John 
again, John, who wrote this Light and Darkness, he does some more work with this. And in 1 John um, chapter 1, he kind of dives into this letter he's writing people. And in the verse, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That word is the same word in Matthew 5.8, cleanses us, okay? I only brought that up for that, so you can see how it's kind of used. What is Jesus, what is John getting at when it comes to being clean? Because I'm not clean, and I'm a pastor. You're not clean, per se, because you're a human, and we have this thing called sin, and we deal with it. But Jesus wants us to live as fallen beings here and now, as ambassadors for him. So how do we do that? And since today's Mother's Day, those of you who are mothers or are spiritual mothers, you know what I mean by spiritual mothers? You got young people or other people in your life, and you're kind of responsible for them in some way. Those of us who are in those positions have the hardest part. What does a clean soul look like? Jesus paid it all. His blood has washed away my sin in the courtroom of God, yet he tells me, walk in a certain way so you won't be blinded by darkness. That's the hard part about Christianity. You can handle it two ways. You can receive Jesus on the cross and say, I'm forgiven and live any way I want. And the gospel and your life will have no impact. Upon professing faith in Jesus, he then says what? Learn from me and be obedient to my commandments. And what he's saying here is there's a blessing for those who have clean hearts. I don't want to confuse you, so we'll try and wrap it up. The spiritual darkness John talks about, Jesus alludes to this light and dark, clean and dirty windows, has to do with pride, self-righteousness, arrogance, and spiritual elitism. What color is that? Is that clean or dark? That is dark and that is film on the window. What's clean, pastor? What's clean? How is a heart pronounced clean? By Christ on the cross and in his grace obeying him and over a long, arduous walk. How many of you tried to obey the Lord for more than 10 years? God bless you. How many of you tried to obey the Lord for more than 20 years? God bless you, because it gets easier and it gets what? Harder, because God will always bring up a little more film on our soul and says, let's deal with it. Jesus hasn't asked us to be perfect. Jesus hasn't asked us all to be spiritual pros. The first blessing in this sermon said, I'm looking for non-spiritual pros. But Jesus has asked us to walk honestly with our own sin issues. The windex to the grimy soul is humility and honesty with God about your own struggles and sin issues. The cleansing agent bought by the blood of Christ on the cross in obedience to a judgmental heart, spiritual pride, 
is humility and honesty with your own self before the Lord. That's what the cleansing agent is. It's the great denominator, right? It cuts everything. Look at them over there and the way you're living. Look at the way you treat your dog. <laughs> Just trying to open the scripture for my heart. Look at those people. The first sin was those people. They're human beings. Treat them with dignity and respect. They're image bearers of God. Get out those people. That didn't work for Cain way back when, right? What did Cain do? Look at those people. Let's go kill them. That worked out well. Read Cain's genealogy. That didn't go too well. But the anecdote is the gospel of grace. When we see the gospel of grace for what it is, a free gift, not doing with our merit but his merit, and receive God's kindness and mercy, your soul melts and you begin to see things honestly biblically. Your heart in grace and soul starts to become clean. You begin to see reality. I haven't seen the movie, but it was my example as I close. What if you grew up in the valley, in a home, and the windows were painted black and you never left? There's a movie apparently out about that, or last year. What if you never left? What if you were in a 400 square foot room, your food was handed in and your water came in and there was a bathroom, but everything was painted dark and all you had was one light bulb? What if you spent 15 years there? What would your reality be, Russ? That's light, that little 200 watt bulb, that's all I know about light. I would have no clue about the raging fire in the solar system that comes up every 12 to 14 hours in my time zone and illuminates everything. I would have no clue about the warmth of the rays this sun brings because my reality is a 400 square foot room with everything dark. So church and mothers and all of us in between the goal in walking through this Sermon on the Mount is by grace we would come unabashed and unbiased to the cross of Christ and learn in obedience how he wants us to walk so he, by us being obedient, here's the tricky part, is it works by salvation? No, it's the gospel, but he's asked us to obey. And in our obeying, his grace will begin to clean and wipe away by the blood of Christ our souls, which often get what? Fill me, even as Christians. It's kind of like this. Christ on the cross comes once and for all in heaven and power blasts those windows of black paint. And you see clearly and light floods in and you are overjoyed to be saved or be in relationship with Jesus. But then in his grace, he goes, you're good and we gotta work some things out, but come follow me. And most of us, myself included, sometimes want to return to the house that's painted shut and sit there and while the windows get dirty again, right? And Jesus says, come out. <laughs> what are you doing? I know this isn't the Mother's Day message, but hear me, all of us. Pure hearts see God.
for who he is. Pure hearts see a loving father who has mission and purpose for us, even if we're 16, 17, 18, or 19, or 95, or anywhere in between. I'll leave with this, moms. Pray for you. Most of your kids don't read the Bible yet, maybe, or, but they read you every day and they read me. That doesn't n- neglect responsibility or their own personal growth or everyone wants to say, but I want to encourage you. God desires for moms and dads and singles and nons and pastors and nots to have clean hearts, to see correctly, to discern the times, to walk in love and grace. If I'm seeing right and I see God and someone slaps me on the cheek, what's an easy response? Turn the other cheek. I don't know what your problem is and I'll pray for you to have that much rage over a parking spot, but I'm good. If I don't see right and my soul and eyes are covered with the film and someone slaps me on the cheek, what is Dave gonna do? Well, maybe 20 years ago, Dave would, there would be a big fight. But I'm probably smart enough to say, I'm gonna call somebody I know and have him take care of. But the point is, this is archaic, but incredibly relevant and practical. And this is just his opening remarks of a sermon. You get that? There's three chapters. <laughs> and he's gonna talk about everything, and I hope we learn and obey. We have no closing song. I'm gonna pray as our benediction. There's lots of goodies to your, is it right? My left. Quick reminder, I'm doing it now because we would all forget. In two very short weeks, which is 14 days, which is 166 plus two, which is 336 hours, we will have adult Sunday school at 9 a.m. for kids and adults, and we will gather as a family at what time? Paul, you're on it. It's 10 a.m., two weeks, May 22nd. There's a few little signs out there. The farmer's market starts on June 5th. We're going to test it out. We're not switching. We're just going to test it out as far as parking and everything. So I'm going to make this announcement one more time. If you can walk without too many aches or pains, please don't park close. Does that make sense? We want to leave a few spots on the corners for some of our folks who need to be a little closer. But let me pray. Why don't you guys stand for our benediction? And we will conclude. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this verse that has so much in it. Thank you for these folks. Father, give us the desire and the grace to see clearly by the blood of Jesus. It's been availed to us to see you. Help us do that by walking in obedience. Father, for my family here, bless them and keep them. Be gracious to them. Lift your countenance upon them all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.